The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, or for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. Always consult with a mental health or healthcare professional before engaging in any activities promoted in this podcast. Have you ever wanted to be a superhero? Join clinical psychologist Dr. Janina Scarlett and host Dustin McGinnis as they explore the psychology behind your favorite TV shows, movies, books, comics, video games, and more. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time geek. So today we are going to continue our special podcast series aimed at supporting our listeners through the coronavirus pandemic. And today we have a very special guest with us, Dr. Kelly McGonigal. Dr. McGonigal, welcome to Superhero Therapy. Can you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, gosh, listening to your introductions, I was thinking like, what percentage geek am I? I don't think it's full time. <laughs> part-time geek, part-time dancer, party starter, part-time um, what, research what? psychologist. Um, I So I'm the kind of psychologist that can analyze data instead of people. And my mission is to help translate psychological science and neuroscience into strategies that help us to be healthier and happier and that help us strengthen communities, which seems especially relevant right now. Most definitely. And if I can fangirl for a moment, Dr. McGonigal, you are one of my biggest heroes. I've been absolutely amazed by all the work that you're doing and helping folks understand stress management and helping people understand scientific articles at a attainable level. And just thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for everything you're doing for the community and for the scientific community, for for the viewers, for the readers, just thank you for all your work. Yeah, we go way back. I mean, it's so nice how our paths have crossed in so many different ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. As you were mentioning, this is a very stressful time for people all over the world. And Dr. McGonigal, you have an amazing TED Talk on stress management and literally wrote the book on stress titled The Upside of Stress. Can you please talk a little about your findings and about what folks can do to manage their stress during this difficult time? I'll give the spoiler for the TED Talk in case anyone hasn't seen it. The most important part of that talk was actually the very last thing I said, which is that we have a choice to take a stance about how we want to think about ourselves and stress, that you can trust yourself to handle life's challenges and you can remember that you never have to face them alone. And I think that's probably the crux of my message about stress, that as much as human beings have a natural instinct to want to avoid stress and reduce stress, basically what happens in your brain and your body when something that you care about is at stake. And so humans are wired to have stress responses hundreds of times throughout the day because we care about other human beings and we have goals and we have roles that are meaningful to us. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in life that threatens our goals and our well-being or that challenges us to learn and grow. You know, one of my favorite definitions of why humans have stress is this idea that stress is your biological capacity to learn from life, to be changed by life experiences. So when you understand that that's what stress is, 
And stress is not something that like, if you could just get life right, if you were just smart enough, practice enough self-care, read the right book, that you would have a stress-free life and everything else that you want in life, the joy, the meaning, the relationships, the personal growth, the contribution to others, you could do all of that and have no stress if you just sort of got the right stress reduction hack or product or insight. When you understand that stress is what arises when something that you care about is at stake, then we can start to ask ourselves, okay, so I'm hardwired to experience stress. What do we know about human strengths? What do we know about the human capacity to deal with stress well, not only to be panicked by things that stress us or to understand that we have a whole repertoire of stress responses. And that includes things like the ability to use the energy that stress gives us to rise to the challenge. It includes my favorite stress response, which is to connect with others, to reach out, to notice who in our communities and our lives needs help and to have the courage to ask for help and support when we need it, to go through stress together rather than alone. It includes our capacity to learn from experiences so that we have more bravery and more resilience moving forward. All of these things, along with all of the, the things that give stress a bad rap. It's sort of one big complicated stress paradox. And so right now I think that this is something that is increasingly relevant because many of us are coming to terms with the fact that there's a whole lot of stress we cannot avoid, we did not choose for ourselves, and strategies that might work when the people are talking about stress like too much traffic or you know, deadlines that you might be able to push off. When we're talking about stress that comes from circumstances you didn't choose and you can't control, mindset can be even more important to allow us to continue to experience joy and meaning and connection, even in the midst of what, you know, I might call the big stress, the suffering that is part of our reality right now. Wow. Absolutely. That was brilliant. So Dr. Scarlett, in your work on superhero therapy, you talk about how people can face obstacles as superheroes do. Can you please talk about your work with superhero therapy and how we can find our inner superhero during these times? Well, much like Dr. McGonagall was mentioning, stress reminds us what we care about. And much like the many fictional heroes that we look up to, and of course now the many, many real-life heroes that we see every single day showing up, whether it's to the hospital where people work, or to a grocery store where people work, or pharmacy, people who are showing up for their community, that is essentially a reminder of what we stand for. This is the foundation of our heroic journey. And so the key here is to understand that as stressful and as overwhelming this pandemic can be, this is our call to action. As I mentioned in our previous episode, there are 7 billion of us in the world and every single one of us now has a very important role to play. And whether it's showing up for patients in the hospital, you know, when it comes to medical providers, whether it's practicing physical distancing so that we're able to flatten the curves, whether it's to show up for our friends and family through some kind of telecommunication to support our community. All of these are really important actions in all of us standing together as fictional characters do, as the Justice League does, as the X-Men and the Avengers do. This is now our real life call to action to become real life heroes and stand together to face this common enemy. 
that's a wonderful theme that I'm noticing with all of our guests and these podcasts that we've been doing is this idea of connection. This question is for both of you. Since most people are finding that their world is being drastically changed on a daily basis, what can they do to find a sense of balance and stability? And we'll start with you, Dr. McGonigal. Gosh, can we go back to the question of connection for a second? Um, I would love to respond to something that Janina shared. Yeah, um, of course. So Janina, you were talking about the importance of interpreting our everyday choices through the framework of our values to be able to see what we're doing as a contribution to the world and, and sort of a demonstration of our strengths and our priorities. And I just wanted to share a study that was recently published that I read like basically right before the pandemic hit the United States. And I've been thinking about it a lot in love of some of the things that you were sharing, this idea of how important connection is. And it was a study that looked at psychological outcomes following a community tragedy. It was actually a mass shooting. The researchers asked people who had survived that and, and the surrounding community, if in the aftermath of that shooting, did you yourself have a goal to help others? And then they also asked, were you helped by others in your community? Were you the recipient of other people's care or support or concern? And they also asked, did you witness care and helping and compassion in your community? And the study found that all three of those independently and mutually supported better psychological outcomes months after the crisis, including post-traumatic growth. And so I think that, you know, because we all are so much more disconnected now physically, how important this particular mindset is sort of an extension of Janina talking about sort of the ordinary heroes in the world and how we are all heroes in our own lives. How important it is right now to think about yourself, these goals to help others, and that there are choices that you make every day, even if you aren't sacrificing as much as some others are, although many people are sacrificing tremendous financial security, and access to things that support their mental health or putting their physical health at risk. But even if your primary contribution is the physical distancing, the staying at home, to every single day acknowledge that that is a heroic act that is a reflection of your goal to help others. And to witness that in your community as well, whether it's through social media or news reports of people being kind, taking a moment to celebrate heroes, as so many people around the world are doing right now, whether it's through these community applause for healthcare providers, all the things that people are trying to do to see the good in their communities and recognize that, and also to allow others to help you, to think about how important that interdependence is for everybody's well-being and to give yourself permission to ask for what you need and to see when other people are trying to help you and to welcome that and to be grateful for that. So I just wanted to put that forward and hopefully that would help people sort of stabilize mm -hmm. in the midst of this chaos. But I think it's part of what it means to take this heroic mindset towards what we're going through now is uh, like no superhero does it alone. So part of this mindset is being the good, seeing the good and welcoming the good. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. I Avengers Assemble. Yes, yes. <laughs> Avengers Assemble. I love that. I honestly have chills right now. And just to add a little bit more to what Dr. McGonagall was saying, I would just like to add that it's important to support not only the world, but also ourselves. I think a lot mm -hmm. of times we might be so overwhelmed with what's happening that we might experience a lot of guilt. And actually, I'm seeing a lot of people posting about guilt right now, which can be very, very stressful. 
And a lot of folks feel guilty because they feel as if they're not sacrificing enough, as if they're not contributing enough. And one of the reasons we might feel guilty is because we're all experiencing worldwide trauma right now. We are very empathic creatures. And sometimes without even realizing it, we might be going through something called empathic distress. And actually, Kelly, you're the one that taught me about empathic distress. And empathic distress is something that happens when we witness somebody else going through a crisis and we ourselves might feel powerless to help. We might feel overwhelmed by this desire to make it better and might feel as if we're unable to. And so as a result, we might feel helpless and hopeless and overwhelmed with grief essentially at these times probably now more than any other times at least since I've been alive that we really need to balance compassion toward others with compassion toward ourselves and what that means is essentially recharging our own heart our own soul battery so that we have the capacity to show up for other people you know for any of you who've ever flown you might remember that flight attendants inform us to put on our own oxygen mask before helping others and that is because if we're not able to support ourselves it's going to be very very challenging for us to help other people we might burn out so in creating this balance I think that it's important to incorporate self-care which could be for many of us through social connections such as for example watching tv shows together maybe drawing together pouring our energy into creativity perhaps holding community virtual game nights for instance mm -hmm. taking a virtual yoga class and then using that energy that we receive from self-care to then pour back back into the world, into the community by supporting other folks who need it too. Well, you mentioned that you needed a recharge or people need to recharge themselves. And Dr. McGonigal, you also recently released a book called The Joy of Movement. And I feel that movement is a possible way of recharging. Can you please talk to us about your findings in regard to how physical exercise, including dancing, running, and uh, yoga can help our mental health? Yes, I was just thinking about that as we were listening to this encouragement to practice self-care. And I find that many people focus on the self-care elements that are restful and restorative, which are really important. But there's also a subset of self-care that is about re-energizing, connecting to our vitality, connecting to brain chemistry that increases our sense of hope and connection. And I think that's where exercise falls in for a lot of people that in addition to really important things like sleep and, you know, indulging in fabulous entertainment and media and narrative and, and good cooked food and all of that stuff that's a little bit more restorative. Exercise, we know, is one of the best ways to immediately reset your mood. So if you have not been active very much and you do any sort of physical activity. It doesn't have to be exercise. It could be just walking around, climbing stairs, dancing to a song for even just a couple of minutes. Almost always people report feeling more energized and more optimistic. It's called the feel better effect. And we know that when people continue that movement a little bit longer, for about 20 minutes of continuous movement, something that might get your heart rate up or require you to breathe faster or more deeply. Anything from yoga to walking, running, cycling, dancing, weightlifting, gardening, that it produces changes in, in your brain that really accelerate that feel better effect. So chemicals like endorphins, endocannabinoids, dopamine, adrenaline, oxytocin, if you work hard enough, and these are all brain chemicals that reduce fear and anxiety, increase hope and positive motivation, 
increase courage and also increase our ability to feel connected to others. Like, like endorphins and endocannabinoids are basically they're social neurohormones. They facilitate your ability to connect with others emotionally, to enjoy a physical touch, to want to help others and cooperate with others. And these are all brain chemicals that are increased through any sort of exercise that you do for about 20 minutes or so that get your heart rate up. It's funny, today I was feeling a little demoralized by something. And this afternoon, I just felt this need to do some high intensity exercise. So I did this workout on demand that involved kickboxing and burpees and things that are just they're hard. <laughs> they're hard for me. And I love exercise, but man, this is harder than I would typically describe as pleasurable. And I felt so much better afterwards. And then I went to my computer and I do sort of my daily digestion of scientific studies. And right after that workout where I just, I felt so much better about life, I came across a study that found that high intensity exercise changes the default state of the brain to increase connectivity between parts of the reward system and parts of your emotion circuitry to increase positive emotions and decrease fear. And high intensity exercise did this more effectively than moderate intensity exercise. And I just saw that study, which was literally just published today. And I thought this is one of the reasons why during this crisis, I found myself drawn to much harder workouts than I normally would want to do. And I mentioned that because since we're talking about self-care, Sometimes we need to do the things that make us feel capable and that make us feel brave and not only the things that make us feel soothed. It really is an important balance. And I found that for myself in this time, you know, based on my temperament and where my mind goes by default, that high intensity exercise has been so important for me the last few weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I mean, that was amazing. <laughs> Dr. Scarlett, in your book, Superwoman, we were just talking about this energy field uh, activities and things like that, but there's also a creative side. And you talk about creativity and connection as being very important for managing our mental health. Can you please talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. I'm so glad that Kelly brought up exercise because um, exercise can be such an amazing energy and mood booster. And another element of doing so can also be creativity. And creativity can involve writing, for example, or drawing, and not necessarily kind of just to do it, but more to put our emotion out. So it doesn't have to look a specific way. It doesn't have to be for anyone else. Else, although it can be, but it's a way of self-expression. And what's interesting is that when we take what we're going through and we express it creatively, a lot of times there can be almost like this cathartic relief for a lot of people. And Kelly, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that there are some studies out there that are showing that creativity can actually boost our dopamine and endorphin levels as well, possibly yes. opiate levels, if I remember. I think that creativity as the means of self-expression can be a really important way for us to figure out what we're going through to connect with other people. And I see so many people right now using creativity to talk about what they're going through, either through rapping about what they're going through, for example, or doing cook-off shows, for example, and being creative with their cooking while also talking about their emotions, writing poetry or music or creating art. And for me personally, I've been working with one of my colleagues on creating 
a couple of comic book pages that we're going to release for free very shortly in terms of coping with what's going on with this world tragedy. And for me, anyway, this has been really moving because I find that creativity is one of my biggest outlets. And afterwards, I end up feeling really recharged and driven I think that in addition to everything we already mentioned in terms of mindfulness kind of relaxation and exercise I think creativity is another element that at least for some folks can be really helpful at finding that sense of grounding and balance right now Mm -hmm. I was just thinking that we know that when people are able to express their personal experiences, it often transforms the way they think about them later on. So Mm -hmm. if you write about it or you create artwork about it, there's a good chance that you will feel a greater sense of common humanity and less isolation, which is, you know, important part of Mm self-compassion. This idea that what you're going through is a unique experience that is also connected to the human experience. There's something about making art and the just sort of the mindset required to express yourself. I think we've all consumed art and music and poetry and movies that speak to us through a specific narrative. And so when you go into that creativity mindset, it's almost like you're forced to acknowledge that your unique experience is something that connects you to others because that's such an important way that creative work actually uplifts and empowers all of us when we are the recipients of it, when we get to enjoy it. And also there's some research that it increases growth narratives. Mm -hmm. So if you've written about or produced artwork about a difficult experience, you're more likely later on to include as as part of your, just your, your personal narrative, even if you didn't necessarily write it that way when you were processing it, but more likely to include things like how that experience changed you in ways that you value or how it activated strengths in you or how it clarified your values or your priorities. So I think that it's such an important thing for people who are drawn to that. And for people who aren't drawn to producing, to understand that consuming creative work can also be as therapeutic. Terrific. Most definitely. I mean, in this time, it's very interesting to see all these creative outlets people are coming up with just off the cuff. I mean, that whole family that made the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, I mean, that was very creative and it was a way to just respond to the situation in a very positive way. I loved it. And as an observer, if it's okay for me to say, you know, Dustin, you're a musician and I've been seeing you play more often than usual, you know, and it's just, it's so lovely to see expressing yourself that way. Well, I love being able to play more and having that outlet. It's definitely one of those times where you want to express yourself a little bit more and I love it. I think there's actually a much larger truth in this too. I know that this is something that a lot of people can have guilt or shame or resistance around that in every moment I must be doing something that only acknowledges the suffering in the world, whether I'm helping others or I'm worried about it or I'm consuming the news to make sure I understand the gravity of the situation and whether it's music or whether it's, you know, creating amazing things in your household with your family or whatever it is that brings you joy. And, you know, for me, it might be something like dancing or exercise or spending time with, with animals. This is the first interview I've done in years where I don't have a cat on my lap. Um, <laughs> this is such an important aspect of self-care. And one of the things that I've learned from working with healthcare providers over the years, I've done some work at Stanford Hospitals in theory, to help them deal with stress and make them more resilient. But what I discovered pretty early on is that if we didn't talk about joy, 
and how to experience more joy, we could process their suffering all day and night. And it wasn't as much of a resource as saying you are allowed to sing or you are allowed to garden. You are allowed to do something that brings you joy. When we could be spending 24 hours a day trying to engage with the suffering, it's really important to think about the things that are the antidote that sustains us. I don't know if anyone remembers this TV show. It was a Disney animated show, Gummy Bears, (laughs) back in like the 90s. No. I do. It was these adorable little you know, animated bears. I actually know the song, which is probably pretty good. The gummy bears, so it's so cute. Dashing and daring, courageous and caring, faithful and friendly with stories to share. All through the forest, they sing out in chorus, marching along as their song fills the air. Gummy bears, bouncy here and there and everywhere. High adventure that's beyond They were almost like little superheroes and they had the secret juice, the gummy juice. And when they would drink it, they would gain superpowers, kind of like Popeye with spinach. And for a short period of time, they would become stronger and faster and like gain all this momentum. And I think this is what the permission to participate in joy does, right? When when we're able to connect with our loved ones to play a silly game or, or dance or draw or play music, it kind of is like a little dose of gummy juice where that boost of energy, you know, at least for a little bit to get us through that moment. So I think this is all three of us giving all our listeners the permission to participate in joy. It is not only okay, I think it's it's necessary. I think it's good for us. And I think it's something that can allow us to have more of that resiliency that we so badly need right now. This is such a perfect example of like your brilliant ability to frame things through the lens of culture. So now I'm going to be thinking about what's my gummy juice. And like, you know, I, in the old days, I might have thought about what's my can of spinach, you know, it's like Popeye. But like, did they change colors or anything? So I'm almost imagining like I, I want to take glowed. my gummy juice and like I, I'm going to imagine myself glowing. There you, know, you go. I think they might be something bit, that brings me joy. I think they got a little bit bigger. Was it? I know they started bouncing. That's one of the things <laughs> is they, oh, they would start definitely. bouncing. <laughs> so I know, Kelly, I'm just picturing when you're dancing, the, right? I know. Like, bouncing is the signature movement of joy. So one of the things I learned in writing my last book is that anthropologists have studied people all over the world, cultures all over the world to look at how people move spontaneously when they're feeling joy. And also, if you ask people to move in specific ways, what emotions you can evoke through different movements. And bouncing is one of the signature movements of joy. People bounce when they're happy, and if you ask people to bounce, they report feeling more joyful. So that could be, like, bouncing could be a kind of a gummy juice. Janina's bouncing over there right now. I'm totally (laughs) bouncing right now. I I think we should all, everyone who's listening to this podcast should take maybe a minute or so to just bounce for a little bit. (laughs) Absolutely. Multitask. You know, podcasts are such a great way to multitask with movement or stretching. And you don't have to bounce your whole body, too. I mean, you can bounce anything that bounces. And there's a lot of of body parts that can bounce. (laughs) That's your head. Okay, yes. You yeah. you know what I mean. Even if you're driving, you can bounce a little bit. You're allowed. Give me your shoulder. There you go.
before we got the stay at home orders, I've been doing a lot of workshops on the joy of movement. And I have been surprised that the shoulder shimmy, just the, the simple shoulder shimmy, how much joy that has brought to people who claim not to enjoy movement. It's like, like something lights up in them and all of a sudden they just want to like shake. You know, you know that movement I'm talking, I know you oh, can't yeah. see We're doing it, it right now. We're, we're doing it. So <laughs> <laughs> That's something else that is hardwired in us. We are hardwired to experience stress, hardwired to experience empathy and compassion and also joy from bouncing and shimmying. Love that. I, I love this whole conversation. I'm just like bouncing with joy. Bouncing with joy, <laughs> and my I'm brimming, you know, with this big old permagrant. I, I did have an interesting idea come up about creativity back when we were discussing it. It's interesting to me that, you know, the mood is kind of melancholy because of what's going on and everything. But the funny thing is, my music is so happy and uplifting now <laughs> it's more than it ever has and i'm wondering why is that you know i'm seeing a lot of folks who are normally very introverted hi i'm one of them uh, my name is janina <laughs> scarlet i'm an introvert becoming more extroverted i'm seeing a lot of people who normally like to keep to themselves now reaching out to folks that they haven't reached out to for years and i think there's something in this experience that's motivating us to move out of our maybe habitual comfort zone to try the opposite and it's interesting how in addition to us holding this pain whether it's trauma grief etc we're also experiencing joy and connection and i think that it's very interesting how often trauma and grief brings a whole array of emotions so long as we're open to experiencing emotions in the first place well i gotta be honest this has been a wonderfully enjoyable podcast is there anything you both would say to anyone listening who might be struggling at this moment we'll start with you dr mcgonagall I'm going to fall back onto the thing that I always turn to when my mind is not being a good friend to me or I'm in circumstances that are just objectively difficult. And that is to think about the countless other people who are in similar circumstances or having similar thoughts and feelings. I know it sounds crazy to some people that that would bring tremendous relief and a sense of comfort. But the idea that this is part of a bigger human story is empowering to me. And then from that point, what I will do is imagine that I could send some kind of hope or comfort or courage or love to everyone else who's in a similar situation, a variation of a meditation practice. And I just bring them to mind and imagine sending them hope and courage and comfort. So anyone who's listening now who's struggling you know, you can know that there are people like me who, even though we don't know you by name and don't know your story, are doing that for you. Like right now, there is strength and comfort and hope and love being sent to you that is available. You could just in this moment, take a breath and breathe it in. And also you might find that that exercise, like it brings to me a sense of comfort and courage, that that might also be something that you could turn to. I love that common humanity aspect that you brought up. And I think that very much like what you just said, I would like to add that if you're listening, not only are you not alone, but you are a very important part of history. We are living in a very important historical moment right now. There will be movies and books written about this, and you are a part of this history. And what that means is that people will be talking about the heroes that brought 
together the end of this pandemic and they will be talking about you. They will be talking about you and the many other people just like you who have also taken important actions, whether it's physical distancing, checking on their loved ones, etc., to step up and to make sure that they're doing what's necessary. It might not always seem big, the actions that we're taking, but they all matter. They all fit into this puzzle of a solution that we're all taking together. And it does matter. And you are making a difference. And the world is a better place because of you. And so you might not realize it right now, but there are a ton of people whose lives are already better because of something you did. And you might have even saved a life. And you might not ever fully know that for sure. But all I can tell you is you matter and you make a difference and thank you for being wonderful thank you i needed to hear that too deeply sincerely thank you oh my gosh thank you thank you for everything you're doing kelly honestly my life took such a tremendously drastic turn because of you in in a wonderful amazing way because of everything you've taught me and there's so many people out there whose lives are forever better because of your TED Talk, because of your books, people you might never meet or hear from whose lives are forever better because of things that you put out into the universe and you're saving lives every single day. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. Why do I feel weepy? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You're allowed. It's a safe space. Okay. Well, I mean, this is just amazing. Let's be honest. This is a global unifying phenomenon, really, right? It's something that we're all in it together. And man, I just want to embrace the connection with everybody out there. All seven billion of us. (laughs) I just have to say, Dr. McGonagall, thank you so much for joining us on this very special episode of superhero therapy can you please tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and where they can learn more about your books and your ted talk probably the easiest way to find me is with the title of a book like the joy of movement or the upside of stress but if you want to try spelling my name kellymcgonagall.com or kellymcgonagall on all the social media channels i'm actually enjoying instagram very much right now because there is a lot of people trying to help and trying to express themselves and share joy. I'm finding Instagram to be quite uplifting and Twitter to be quite informative right now. (laughs) I just want to say to all of our nerdy, geeky fans out there, it's not spelled like Professor McGonagall. Although, although, (laughs) Although Dr. Kelly McGonagall is also a professor, and yes, I did totally geek out about having Professor McGonagall when (laughs) I was studying. I bet you did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to go ahead and end this episode of Superhero Therapy. Again, my name is Dustin. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. Thank you all so much for tuning in and remember that you are a superhero.